2: Hello and welcome to The Promise Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchette. As usual, talking about another Manchester United defeat, fourth <laughs> of the Premier League season at home to Crystal Palace. Was this the worst of the lot so far, Rob? No, it wasn't. And funnily enough, even though we lost the game,
3: it, it wasn't even the worst performance. Like I think when we've won games this season... There's been some worse displays across the pitch, but yes, we've got, we're forced to talk about that today. Uh, a disappointing result, Scott. I'm going to keep saying it. I think there are bits that are improving for Manchester United, even though it doesn't feel like that at the moment for fans.
2: Yeah, we'll talk about Palace. Uh, United back in the Champions League from Tuesday night. We'll be doing a live show ish. I'm not sure whether it's live or there will be a show after the football uh, when United play on Tuesday night. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a win, but you're not so sure at the moment. Galatasaray visit Old Trafford, so that should be... Well, it's the return of Champions League football to Old Trafford. How long will it stay at Old Trafford? We wait and see, but they do get at least three games in that competition before the end of the year. But um, yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the fallout to the Palace game. We'll talk about players like Marcus Rashford, Sofiane Amrabat, Lissandro Martinez's injury, Anthony's return to training... And uh, just everything in between. But we will be back on Tuesday, like I say, for another show after the Galatasaray game. But subscribe wherever you get your pods. And follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel, the Promise and the Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, etc. Leave a comment and uh, pop the notification bell on as well. Follow us on social media as well. At double underscore Scott Saunders on X, IG, and TikTok. At underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube and at promise and MU on X as well so rob you were there for the palace game i'm i'm hearing different things i mean i watched it um but i'm people who who don't follow man united seem to be suggesting to me that the fans were not happy with eric ten hag because they were they booed at the end i mean yeah you're making a face for those those people who are actually listening i mean i'm not gonna entertain this unfortunately fair enough like maybe there's some criticism you're gonna get criticism if you can't beat crystal palace at home but they've been doing it for a few years now so it's not like it hasn't happened before um we never get too high never too low as you like to say where do we where do we sit after that
3: Well, there was all of booing, Scott, for about two and a half seconds at the end of the game. So if people in the press, Twitter, wherever, want to read something into that, that fans are not happy. Well, yeah, for two and a half seconds, there was a few people that booed. That was that, really. Um, I think when we all walked out the stadium, we all kind of felt a, a feeling of deja vu and apathy towards the result. Because it's stuff that we've seen before. It doesn't feel something that's kind of Eric 10 Hag Haag-centric. It's Manchester United-centric, isn't it? It's 10 years of stuff like that happening at Old Trafford. So, of course, everyone's disappointed with the result. Um, But as I said at the top of the show, there's been times this year we've actually won games, and I've come away from matches and been more concerned and thought, well, you won the game, but you didn't do this, 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 and this. But you won the games, that's okay. You get away with it. And yet in that Crystal Palace game, You know, near on what seventy-seven percent possession, Manchester United dominated the game in so many parts, you know, phases of play, but couldn't create to score a goal, and that is something that we've seen many times before, and I think we'll see more times this season because if your creatives are not doing your their job, Scott, you're in trouble. It's just as simple as that. Crystal Palace got their goal, which felt like a little bit of a sucker punch, like a bit of a fluke. Smashes it, goes in the back of the net. But after that, I think with United, and it's more the second half for me, is that they still do look like a team that are not quite sure about what they are. Like, you know, in these situations, how do we just break down a low block? How do we pass the ball? How do we work that out? Saying that, I do think that the transition from back to front was better than we've seen. There was much more control. And they got to the edge of the final third. It's just that, Scott, when they get there, they don't know what to do.
2: But that was that not Crystal Palace's game plan? Like of course. So you can say that the transition from the back was better, but Palace were willing to allow that to happen because they were packed in front of their own box. Of course. And if you get the first goal, I think this is a very different game than what we're
3: doing here, is a very different show. And we're talking about maybe Man United getting the first goal, turning the screw on Palace and Palace being forced to come out and allowing more space. But they did a Roy Hodgson. As soon as they got the goal, Scott, we knew what was going to happen. It was like I had a script there at Old Trafford. I was reading it going, well, Palace will sit in and in the low block. And Man United will get more and more frustrated and it will look worse and worse and worse. So, yeah, you lose the football match. You didn't kind of lose it just because of the goal. You lost it because of the tide. It just went against you. But there were still bits of the game that I thought actually went really well for Man United. And this is why I always talk about possession in the way I do when we talk about our football club is that Man United do not need to become a better possession team. You don't need 77% of the ball. You need to be better in transition and with possession. So that's something I think that's going to take time for United to mature into. Uh, did, and did,
2: I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think okay. you... Yeah, obviously. Well, Crystal Palace, when they come to Old Trafford next season, they're going to do the same thing again. Of course, yeah. So really, you do need to play faster. You do need to... yeah work on attacking patterns, which will open up a low block that, yeah. and this kind of thing. So I, I don't know if I agree with that, the fact that they don't need to be better in possession, because I think they did not use the ball well enough. They didn't create enough chances. Um, but obviously they, they did make some, uh, probably not enough for Man United laying siege to a team who would yeah. them in Old Trafford. But, yeah. you know, I think there's, there's still plenty to work on uh, and United need to find, what was the phrase? different ways to skin a cat. I'm not sure. Can we say that nowadays? Of course I'm, you I'm can. I'm not sure. But like that that phrase, they need You're to right. find different ways of winning matches. You know, and totally. they can't always rely on spacing behind to exploit. But that's why I'm, I'm talking about possession in that way. Because,
3: you know, possession's only nine tenths of the law. Let's do all the catchphrases. Yeah. United had all the possession of that game. The problem was the final ball. The problem was, was when they were within 10 yards of the box, Scott, they haven't got a clue who they are. You know, this is the difference between a Man City that has all the possession, but completely knows what to do through the phases. And when they get in the box, the bo- in, in the box, it isn't about possession. In the box, it's about creativity and about, about taking chances at the right time, Scott, but also creating just normal chances. Like one of the things that I felt at the end of the Palace game was that United got the ball in wide areas so often and just didn't swing it in. Like just sometimes get your head up and swing it in on the penalty spot and help the striker and united don't do that what do they do instead scott a midfielder primarily a bruno fernandes type player gets the ball and chips it into the box and it's easy to defend so united it's like they're going through the actions like oh look we've done really well up to this part of the pitch but we're not going to like gamble here because like we don't we don't know what to do with that you know we're not going to help the striker so that's a kind of, I think, an identity crisis. I think where, where Ten Hag has to solve that. I think the only way he solves that, Scott, is by rotating some of his options, it's getting different players in different positions to be able to do that, and then we'll see improvements. I think from there.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a question to to talk about here, I suppose. Um, Bruno, as you mentioned, and Marcus Rashford are were brought back into the team. Yeah. We'll start with Rashford actually, just because. You know, I'm seeing that he's getting a lot of criticism. His performances this season have not been good. Like, There's no getting away from that. Um, Ten Hag said in his pre-match press conference on Friday that players build up a a level of credit. And if they're not delivering on the pitch, eventually they will run out of credit and lose their place in the team. Um, It's a great quote. Yeah. Yeah. and it, it kind of works that way. Like, I suppose my question to you is, have we seen the end of Marcus Rashford's credits? he's only, he hasn't, let's see, he scored two goals in five months or something like that. Yeah. You know, because it's, I, I don't know for sure, but obviously he had that purple patch around uh, February and had a 30 goal season last year in all comps, but it's just not, he looks different. He looks different. He does look a bit different and and I think it's not as black and
3: white as maybe just looking at like kind of the core metrics of goals and stats. I think what it's about now is that Manchester United from the end of last season to this season, the idea was to grow, was to improve, was that when you got around the box, Scott, you could do different stuff. Now, we know that that didn't really happen in pre-season and we know that Man United here, what was the difference between midweek and the weekend? Well, it was your two stars, wasn't it? And I I consider Bruno and Marcus as our two stars, really, in terms of, you know, the wage bill and the expectations on these players. Now, In midweek, what worked really well, Scott, was that they popped the ball through the midfield into the attack and it worked really well. It's really fluid. And that disappeared because Palace got their goal and then clogged up all the channels. But then it's up to your stars to do the job, isn't it? It's up to Marcus to do the job. It's up to Bruno to do the job. I think with Rashford, The key difference here is that now he's got a number nine on the inside is that he has to defer a lot of some of of that attacking play to that nine. He has to look up and start linking with the nine. Now, everyone saw it in the first 20 minutes, I think it was, where where Marcus runs into a brick wall of three players. And that's classic Marcus. And when he did that, there was a bit of a groan in the stadium. And then after that, Scott, for half an hour, he was trying to play balls into Hoyland that weren't there. And you're like, No, just do it the right time, Marcus. So what you said there about uh, Ten Hag, about credit, I totally agree with that. And I think that's where we are because guess who you've got there? You've got a young lad called Garnacho. So I think that that's the way it will go. I think Marcus will sit on the bench at some points now as we go forward. He's run out of credit. He's rightfully run out of credit. And I think we'll see Garnacho being more of a facilitator on the left and a creator because that's really what United need at the moment is they need some creativity in that final third, in that front three positions.
2: I would even do it tomorrow. Really? I I, I would make the change for the champions league. It's just there, there's this thing about United that they've had for a number of years where, and Ten Hag has denied this, but where they have players who are so high profile that they, they just always play. Yeah. And that is, and i don't think ten hag is like this but i think the time has come where he might have uh, picked him a little too often given the output that he's showing mm. ten hag needs to also with a meritocracy he needs to install that kind of and he's talked about doing it but in reality he hasn't really done yeah. it you know because maybe he hasn't had the options available he, you know united have had injuries this kind of thing but they do have when everyone's fit like a a, a large squad now so Obviously, you got Garnacho in that other position on the left hand side, understudy to Rashford. Mm-hmm. Now might be the time. I mean, and there's no better way to kind of make a statement than for a player who's not performing, hey, buck your ideas up a little bit, you need to change, than dropping in for a Champions League game.
3: Yeah. On, on my old show, when we used to look at Oligon and Solskjaer's tactics, we used to talk about meritocracy all the time and about favoritism and whatnot. And my kind of spin on that at the time is that player hierarchy exists at every club so there's a manager who who will look at his players and he'll say well he does this he does that and this is how I want to set up and there'll be times when players play that we think well surely you could give someone else a go I think the issue is with Eric Ten Hag is that we are still thin on those players you know in terms of like who, who are your automatic starters and the truth is you probably shouldn't have automatic starters you should probably rotate more at Man City Scott You don't know who's really starting week to week. Maybe Haaland, and then it's like everyone else, isn't it? Maybe the goalkeeper most weeks. I think you look at Man United and you look at Marcus Rashford, if you're just doing it on form and that's where you're going, then it's time for Marcus to go to the bench. That's the way I look at it, is that you look at the performance of midweek, and I think United look more balanced, Scott, with kind of more wider, dynamic, creative young players in the wide areas at the moment. And I think that will help Hoyland more, and that will also help the midfield because the midfield will be able to push the ball through into the channels. And Marcus doesn't do those things. So what do you do, Scott? You go put him on the bench. And I think that he will actually appreciate coming on for half an hour and being an impact player to run in behind when players are tired and he's fresh because that's his game, isn't it? So this is not like dig Marcus Rashford out and not have him in the team ever again. This is let's help him find form in a different way. I still have faith in Marcus. But I think his skill set doesn't really fit what United are trying to do in their own evolution. It might mean Scott in the next windows, you start looking at creative players in those positions a little bit more, as opposed to just players you can run in behind.
2: Not the only one who copped a bit of flack. Mm-hmm. Sofian Amrabat did. Uh and yeah. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, it's just the the way that it is nowadays, Rob, isn't it? Like this is a this is a guy who's like joined a new team in a new league and been played out of position in every appearance that he's been uh, he's been named in because of injury problems in at left back, specifically three players out injured. I think Regulon, how far away is Regulon? He shouldn't be too far away, should he? But minor injury,
3: but I think I think Reguiland might be a couple of weeks. We'll see.
2: Yeah, I did, I did see that actually mm. after the national break. Um so Amrabat's in there. He, we we know what he can do from, we've seen an example of it from the midweek game against Palace. Yeah. Drifting into the field, uh, dictating the play, this kind of thing. But he is not a left back. And apparently that doesn't stop criticism uh, from media and uh, social media
3: alike. (laughs) No, it doesn't stop any people on Twitter going mad about, but effectively nothing. There was that a couple of times, a couple of comedy handballs in there. And I understand people have, people have taken that and really run with that. And I find that confusing because I think while we're seeing in football, that fullbacks invert on their right foot and come inside, especially on the left, that's, that's a thing that happens a lot. Um, it's been kind of called out as the reason why he's bad or Man United are bad. And let's be honest, it's not true, is it? It's, it's effectively faux. That's just kind of false. So I, I thought he actually played quite well on the day. What I like about him, Scott, is that he has a sensibility in that midfield department. So he's not really number six, but he knows how to get the ball from midfield or from defence into midfield and then allow the midfielders to go and do their job. Now, I thought against Crystal Palace and the game in midweek, he did that absolutely in spades. That's how I described it. And I'm happy about that. As you said, he's not a left back. And that means that he might get done behind once or twice but what are your choices? You haven't really got any choices there. He can do the role. It's temporary. You live with it. What I do like also about Amrabat Scott is that I think it gives Ten Hag some more forward-thinking options as we go into the season. What we're seeing at the moment is Casemiro kind of tucking into a role, which, again, I don't think he's very good at, pushing towards number eight. Bruno Fernandes still kind of playing a number eight role, which I think always it just looks a bit well, – the world I use that Old Trafford was squashed. Like he looks like he doesn't quite know to whether to stick or twist most of the time. I want to see him play the number 10. And I think it means that if you get Amrabat in future months and maybe say Mason Mount, who's very mobile, you get Hannibal back in there, you get Manu back, maybe even promote Dan Gore to play games, you're then getting a more fluid midfield. You're getting midfielders that can do stuff that we've moaned about for say the last 12 or 24 months and even beyond. So I thought his performance was fine. Um, he's literally like, the least problem in the team at the moment
2: well the big problem is that united are not winning matches enough yeah <clears throat> and i suppose rob uh, round off to this to this question or mm. this topic how much me- how much more of that you know because uh, like where i stand is i kind of reached that uh, the weekend I, i've seen that performance several mm. times before kind of went a little bit back towards apathy. They've lost four out of seven Premier League games. It looks like this season might be a bit of a challenge. There's no real... I know you said you you thought the performance was positive in elements, but I just they haven't really played well all season, barring the game against Palace's C team or B team in the League Cup. So the noise is inevitably, when these results are coming, the noise is inevitably going to mount up and pressure is going to build on the manager. Like how much of this are you willing to tolerate, I guess? Cause I, what I'm trying to say is I don't mm. think that, you know, I can finish 12th this season. As far as I'm concerned, I'll, I'll stick by the manager. Like, I, th- I think I'm deciding on that. Where do you sit?
3: Yeah. twelfth is a leap of faith, Scott. Like if we, if we're in that position as, as the season goes on, then we will have to have a, a different kind of tone of conversation you know, you have to be judged on whether you win or lose games. That's just, that's life. That's what, sport. what I'm trying
2: to say is, do you not think that this is a necessary pain that United need to go through in order to correct a pattern that has established itself over the last 10 years? It's like, oh, hire a manager. You do well for one season or two seasons. You, yeah. you are not supported properly. Your players start to turn your the fans start to turn you sack a manager new manager comes in you have a bit of a bounce oh wait it's not actually going to work oh wait mm. let's sack the managers try somebody else do you feel like this is the start of that i suppose no no i don't no i, don't. I think this feels
3: different to me as it stands like I, I i always um kind of can pull rank on it in terms of opinion and say to myself It might change. Like if things continue to degrade, then you 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 end up having a different opinion as time goes on. But that's not what I'm seeing. It's also not what we're hearing, Scott. Like we're not hearing of player mutiny at Man United. We're really not. We're not hearing that Manchester United themselves want to kind of change their project as it stands, but you can't continue to lose games. For me, Scott, when we talk about performances. I, I quite often take the winning or the losing out of it. So I was massively critical of Man United with the Wolves match and people went, but you won, so why are you upset? And I'm like, I'm not upset. I'm highlighting the things that are not working. And yet you lose the game to Crystal Palace and it's arguably that we played so much better against Crystal Palace than we did against Wolves. But guess what? You won one game and you lost the other. And and it's kind of like as simple as that, I think, with football. I think with Eric Ten Hag, his job here, Scott, is to get it back to base level, is to get it back to ground level. It doesn't matter if you're not playing well, win games. At least get yourself back to that. And had Man United been a little bit more creative, Scott, and then that sucker punch doesn't go in the back of the net from, you know, a worldie that just smashes into the roof, even if you'd drawn that game, nil-nil, Scott, this would be a different kind of conversation, wouldn't it? So goals matter, creating matters. Man United need to get better at those things but as you just said there, Scott, this is a manager that hasn't been completely backed. He's had a, he's spent money. He's bought players. I still think primarily his signings have been good. I hear a lot about identity again. Like I said there in the final third, what is your identity? It feels like that, that is being built towards the edge of the box. But this is why we're talking about dropping Marcus Rashford. Because if your identity is just running in behind, guess what? You're not going to be able to do it every week. You're going to get caught. People are going to read it. So, No, I don't feel that at the moment. A really poor start to the season in terms of results, you know, four defeats out of seven is unacceptable. But I still think that you could go fix these things. I really do. I think you've got enough. You've got to bring players...
1: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100 percent of the cost of your medication. So go to trilifemd.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
3: It's back from injury. And your system itself, in my eyes, as I'm talking about, is growing. There are there are better things happening on the football pitch than we saw in preseason, right at the start of the season. But results are not reflecting that yet, Scott. And you have to you have to get there, don't you? When we saw them against Brentford a year ago, it was like that, wasn't it? 4-0, you lost. And it felt like the end almost, like to people. It was like, this is not going to get better. Guess what? It got better, didn't it? So I feel confident that we're treading, unfortunately, this similar path as we did last season. I don't think United are going to be contenders for anything. But I think you'll have to suck that up because there are teams that are better than you at the moment.
2: The pressure will grow, though, is all I'm saying. You know, and I can already see people suggesting, oh, the manager doesn't have a clue. Like, this this is a guy who's played, who's taken Ajax to, you know, late phases in the Champions League and talked about a philosophy for the duration of his career. Yeah. So it's not like he doesn't have a clue, you know? Um, But I refuse,
3: Scott, to... But when people say that, in our industry, either that be... I'm, I'm going to get up to you, pundits. Yeah, if you say stuff like that, and you, I know you're not watching the games. So when you get a lot of people going, oh, he hasn't got a clue about what. One of the I mean, I had uh, fans. Some, one some of uh, fans, look, look. It, obviously fans as well. Like, fan, but fan opinion is fan opinion, and they can say whatever they want at the end of the day. Like fans pay their money; they they can really say whatever they want. But when we talk about the industry side of it, which generates a lot of the hits and clicks and pushes content towards things and what people watch and decide. You know, one of the things that we just saw um, only yesterday was talking about Amrabat, again, playing left-back and how foolish it is to play a a, a player who's a right-footed player at left-back. That's shocking, isn't it? And that was the punditry yet we're seeing a lot of right-footed players play at left-back, aren't we, across the league, across the world. So that's what I'm talking about because that gets pushed into popular opinion and, like, it's a reason why United are bad. And if you're watching the game and you're at the game, you're in the stadium, you know that's not why United are bad. So this is the whole thing is that I think that's why we try and bring a little bit of balance in our show because we could shout and scream, like we do, don't we, away from the cameras. We get annoyed about Man United and what happens sometimes. But overall, I think... After the cold light of day, you can kind of calm down and go, well, that bit, that bit, that bit was good. But this bit still kind of stinks and you have to work on it. I don't think it's a manager thing. I don't look. I didn't look at the tactics against Crystal Palace, Scott, and think, oh, if you had done something massively different tactically, you'd have won this game 4-0. Like, I didn't think it re-
2: that. It all. really does make a difference who scores the first goal. United, United have, I know they scored the first goal at Arsenal, but they conceded within 30 seconds of scoring that. Hmm. They scored the first goal in games that they've won. Yeah. But then how many of the other games have they scored the first goal in? Yeah. you got Bayern, no. Burn Well, Burnley, they won. Brighton, no. Forest, no. They did come back to win that, actually. Yeah. Tottenham, no. You know, when United... That's one thing that United haven't shown consistently enough is the ability to react to falling behind.
3: Totally. And, and this is why when we talk about tactics and the manager and all those things intertwined is that I think a lot of this comes down to some very basic stuff like sloppiness. So like when you're in the final third, make it count. You know, do the right thing in that moment, in that action. You've done eight passes to get there and you've done it all perfectly. You haven't lost the ball. You've created a really good position. Then don't just chip the ball in the box. Feed the ball in. Do something incisive. You know, use your skill and your talent. And I think at United, there's a lot of deferring that. I think we see that so often. And I don't know if that's the manager's fault. I really don't. I think the manager's not saying, hey, guys, don't be creative in the final third. I think what he's saying is be better. And they seem to lose it mentally in those moments. And you saw with the last 20 minutes of the game, I really didn't feel United were going to score. It just got stale. They got to the edge of the box and Palace looked comfortable. So I put that on our big players, Scott. Like Our bigger players have to be better. And if you're earning the big money at Man United, you better deliver the big metrics. Like, that's the way I look at it. That's why I'm all has faith in kids, because I think if you bring kids in, they play without fear quite often, and they do make better choices in those moments because they're just playing more naturally. So, you know, as I said, I think we missed Hannibal. I think we missed other players, some of the young players in the core. And I think you can rotate that as you go forward and give players opportunity. Maybe some of the bigger names are going to have to sit on the bench every now and then.
2: Well, one player who who is going to sit on, well, in the stands or at home for three months, is uh, Lissandro Martinez. He is undergoing surgery I believe today to correct an injury that he's already rehabilitated from, but not properly, but the seams of it. Question here is, why? How? How has this happened?
3: (sighs) Okay, I spoke to someone at the end of Lissandra Martin's last game, we talked about it and there was, it was being mooted then that he might need some surgery. This is when United were saying he was still available. Um, it's a funny thing with metatarsal injuries in terms of bone healing and the ligaments around there and one through and another is that sometimes the injury looks like it's healed. You can come back, you can do all the work. But you sometimes see in a player's performances, Scott, and I remember this clearly with Wayne Rooney going back and David Beckham's long time ago. Is that players come back, they look fit, they look ready, they go do the training, but when you actually really watch them, like pinpoint, you can see it's not right. And I've i felt that with Martinez really since preseason and going into this season. So like you've just put the question there, which is what Twitter's been asking, isn't it? Is that how do you get here? Well, you get here because you want your best players back. And if they go through the kind of drunk through the hoops and are getting towards full fitness, you'll kind of take someone who's not 10% at his very, very best, not quite there. And unfortunately, what's happened with Martinez, and it's been quite clear, is that the injury hasn't healed properly. So he's going to need some cleanup surgery. Cleanup surgery means that he's going to need some rest and rehabilitation. And that's probably going to take you six to eight weeks minimum. That might even take you 12 weeks. That's just where you are, Scott. And this is why I worry about the likes of Varane and players like that. Because if you get players who get injuries or or pick up problems, that it's never just a five or ten day thing, is it? It can sometimes be a month at a time. And that's where you are. You should have gone and bought Kim Min-J. It's just as simple as that. If you bought Kim Min-J, this conversation is not as important. Um, you're going to see a lot more Victor Lindelof. Like I, I've not dug Victor Lindelof out at all, Scott. But again, I
2: don't really like his performance this
3: year. Not lately, but I, I think that the same issues that you see with Victor still remain. You're I never... believe you
2: said at one point you didn't want to see Victor Lindelof. Play for I didn't
3: ever again. want to see him play for us again. I'd have sold him in the summer. That's my choice. I would have sold him and Maguire. I'd have got rid of both. You know, like I don't want the Chuckle Brothers running our defense. At the end of the day, it's just that's just my preference. And I think with Victor Lindorf, he's not played particularly badly. But you even saw with Palace and with Eze is that Eze was like, I'm not going anywhere near Amrabat. I'm just going to target that space between Lindelof and Delo because everyone targets that space. That's what everyone does against Man United, so that's a problem. You saw that Varane was obviously having to cover a little left and right quite a lot, um, and it is what it is. But I, I think kind of when you, uh, on balance, of those things we look at players like Lindelof, you, you're going to have to find solutions with something that you haven't probably got at the moment. Like we'll probably see some more Johnny Evans, and people will be like, oh you've got this 35 year old it cost you nothing yeah you, know, you might see some more maguire and i i said on the on the weekend i'm not convinced that vinolof is better than maguire like i thought maguire played really well midweek <laughs> and and if i'm the manager and we're talking about meritocracy maybe you should be playing harry maguire there i don't know what do you think scott <laughs> oh, you not want to commit.
2: <laughs> what an awful question you just asked me. It's a real question now, isn't it? This is the yeah, question that the manager is.
3: has to ask himself all the
2: time. I mean, I don't particularly think one of them is much better than the other one. No. Um, I think there are times where Lindelof has been in decent form. We're probably in the pecking order. Yes, Lindelof is ahead of him. He is. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll see a combination of both of them. I'm sure we'll see a combination of Varan and Maguire. I'm sure we'll see a combination of Lindelof and uh, Varan coming up. And we'll sure we'll see Johnny Evans in there at times as well. So it's a case of neither of them are first choice pairings. No.
3: So Lindelof and L- 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 Martin is
2: what I prefer. Lindelof and Martinez, I prefer. I think that
3: works. I think when you have Varane, who's a lot more mobile and technical, I think you can get away with Maguire more. I think Maguire gets the ball down on the deck and can play more progressive football than Lindelof in that that position. I still think that probably Johnny Evans is a better footballer than both on the deck, but... Are you starting a thirty-five-year-old there? Probably not. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough question, but I do think that the managers one has to answer, isn't it? If you, if you want to have a meritocracy, then you have to really be true about that and allow players that if they're if they're in better form that you play them. Ooh. That was not me calling for Harry Maguire to start, people. Like, don't get upset. You know, I'm just saying that I think that that they're not actually that one isn't better than the other when you've got. People missing. We've We've been here before,
2: though, haven't we? You know, we're talking about changing the way that United play, and we're talking about Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof, the old Ole Gunnar Solskjaer centre back pairing, potentially being (laughs) what we stick with moving forward. Uh, Anyway. Um, and that's and I don't
3: think that's Eric Ten Hag's fault. I think Eric Ten Hag no. would have got rid of these players if he'd have the opportunity. And this is why we must keep reiterating that this is the board. and that board doesn't get rid of players that the manager doesn't want, then you're stuck with them and you have to use them. And I would rather use Maguire, Scott, and build him up and him becoming useful to an extent than him just being this figure of fun and him just being someone on the bench or, or whatever. Use him, because even if he plays well then Scott, you might be able to sell him for the price that you want. You know, that's how it works. So you've got injuries. You're going to have to move some pieces around.
2: Probably see why now Harry Maguire stuck around because he did think he would get play in time. And, you know, you know, never too far away from an injury crisis. And there's uh, yeah. Martinez out for three months. Probably that would make it the rest of this year unless there's a, a miracle recovery, but yeah. Well, um, they might he... rush him back. <laughs> I don't think they'll make that same mistake twice, no, no, to be honest. Well, they're you doing know, it with Luke but... Shaw. It's the same issue. Luke Shaw's <clears> got an
3: issue and they're worried about it. In the sense that Luke Shaw could be playing football now. He could be. He's fit. He's, he's training. He's back at Carrington. He's doing all the on-pitch, on-grass stuff. But they're going, he's really important to the system. We need him in the weeks and months ahead. So let's get him right because we need him. And that's the way they're looking at it. I think with Martinez... They didn't want to play Maguire. They didn't want to play uh, Lindelof there. They know that they brought in Johnny Evans at 35. So they pushed him harder because again, he's really important to the system, but they decided to rush him. And you rush players, guess what? Sometimes they get injured, injured again, and they're back under the knife. So that's where you are with it.
2: Right, let's move to uh United. One of their late have they made a statement since no. Uh, statement FC people, another have statement, them. more another statement, statement than points. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it actually? It feels like they that. Nine, they have nine Premier League points. Yeah, I, can't, I hate it when I get buzzes statements. on my phone and
3: and, it's, and it just says Man United club statement. and I'm going, oh, here we go again.
2: <laughs> I, like Rob, I don't know how deeply you want to go into this, but Anthony is back in training and uh, was brought in. You know, I made an announcement on Friday that mm-hmm. he would return to training. I believe things are ongoing with the the matters off pitch at, regarding Anthony, but he has been the club have felt comfortable enough to bring him back into training. He was seen at Old Trafford with his uh with his uh, with his kid uh, yeah. on Saturday, and I believe he rejoined training from Saturday as well. So yeah. you know he's back in the mix. Eric ten has said he doesn't know well. I'm sure he probably does now or probably has a better idea of how fit he is. Um, but he's back in and available for selection. Uh, what is, what do you make of it?
3: Yeah, he's been training away from Manchester United anyway, so I don't think he'll be too far off. He'll obviously to get his match practice back. Uh, I think the situation is at the moment is that Manchester United, in the, in their own infinite wisdom, totally believe that there'll be no charges brought now. I think that's, in terms of United's connections, in, in England, Manchester and, and, uh, great Manchester police that that's, that's the belief at the moment and United have done the typical club statement, isn't it? Is that, you know, we, we believe that, you know, domestic abuse is wrong, etc. 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 But what did they say? Anthony is our employee. I think they said and Anthony's our employee and we're his employer. So, you know, our decision is that as it stands, he comes back to training. That's kind of where it stands. So I don't think we'll see any charges because that's, the, the, lay, the lay of the land and in a football sense Scott you know bringing back Anthony we're talking about creativity does Anthony give you more creativity on the right hand side no I probably don't think that he's actually that that much of a creative entity so uh, we'll see I think he'll be back in the team pretty sharp I think within the next week or so um, but yeah he was training on Saturday at Carrington you know he was actually there doing work and I think he'll be back it reintegrated with the main group today.
2: Yeah, he may be on the bench for the Champions League game. Oh, Who yeah. knows? I'm, Potentially. I'm not sure yet. But, you know, when you've got injuries, into... you've got a lot of choice. You? You're going to
3: bring players back, you know. And this is the whole Jaden Sancho thing as well. And just add on top of that is that I do think that they're looking for a Jaden Sancho solution now for at least the short term. I would not be surprised to, to hear some kind of resolution there between manager and player because you just need to get players available again, especially when you've got a big injury crisis
2: can never get too far away from a crisis regarding Man United at the moment. But they they do play Galatasaray in the Champions League. Like I said, at the top of the show, we will be going or doing a show shortly after or shortly towards the end of that game. And hopefully we'll be talking about something more positive than a 1-0 home defeat. But we'll see. United need to win, don't they? They need to win in the sense that
3: you need to win every game. Simple as that. Like you do need to win every game. I think the thing is with the Champions League, Scott. It's great to be in it, but you want to win it. You want to be there to compete, don't you? And I actually think that would it be a the worst thing ever if Man United end up in the Europa League? Well, I don't want to be in the Europa League. Being completely honest, I don't like those Thursday night wet evenings at Old Trafford and getting home at one or two o'clock in the morning. Just no fun, really. But ultimately, are Man United a Champions League club as it stands? You should still. Be good enough to get out of that group, but you're you're dealing with things, and when you're dealing with stuff at this time of the season, you still got to win points. So I actually think I'm going to put my neck on the block, Scott. Here we go. Rob puts his neck on the block. I think United will play quite well against Galatasaray and get the win. I do. I I think if they carry on doing the right things. Galatasaray won't do the things that Crystal Palace did well. You know, Galatasaray won't sit in as effectively as a Roy Hodgson team does. Roy Hodgson is like the genius of that. He's so good at it. Um, Galatasaray will try and hit United and break. I'm sure Wilf Zaha will, that will be part of the narrative here. It already is. Have you seen it today? The truth about Wilf Zaha and Man United. Well, we all know the truth. What are you talking about? But Zaha would love to come back, wouldn't he, to Old Trafford? And have a big game and also show people in the Premier League that doubted him that he's still a major talent. Um, but that's the that's the the dodgy side of it. I think if you can control Zaha, I think you can control that game better than you control Crystal Palace.
2: We'll see what United can do in the Champions League. They lost their first game in the competition away at Bayern. That's the hardest game in the group. Yeah, you know, I don't think anybody was really expecting United to win there. No. But they, like but you said, well, they have lost
3: they, it. They they did
2: play well in patches. Yeah, you
3: shouldn't have lost it. If you if you if you were a better
2: team or better, you do. You shouldn't have lost it. Like you, you could have got a draw out of that. They played particularly well in the first twenty or so, and mm. then obviously Andre Onana and dropped one into his own net, and the, <laughs> the same thing happens. You know, United yeah. they, they showed a little bit of fight, but they were quite loose in that game. And hopefully, they just need to. Like we talked about the other day, they just need to put a run of wins together and yeah. not lose in the fashion they did the other day. I think scoring the first goal is so important to this team. Yeah. It really is. It, I think if you want to avoid losing, start scoring first. <laughs> I think that's the main thing. Definitely. And it's their confidence in it. Like if they don't score yeah. first, they do
3: look like different human beings. Like they, 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 even the communication you watch, Scott, when United are winning games and leading, there's something outward about them. Like you see it, they're all like, they're together and they kind of, there's high fives and it's all of this. And when they're one nil down or, or more, it disappears. They all they all shrink and they all look, like, as I called Bruno Fernandes, a little bit squashed. You know, they look smaller. Um, so yeah, first goal against Galatasaray. First 15 minutes, get a goal and control the game. And then you should, should fingers crossed, get three points. But if you don't play well, Scott, at least win the game. Do that, you know, do what you need to do to get the three points.
2: We'll be around to reflect on whatever happens in that game at Old Trafford shortly after it finishes. So keep an eye out for that. Audio and uh, video will be available on. But that's it for me and from Rob today, unless you have anything to add, Rob.
3: No, nothing really. Just in the sense that the best way to get over these speed bumps, Scott, is to go win the next game. So you've got Galatasaray come quickly. And I actually think Ten Hag will be appreciative of that, is that you can you can get a performance out of the team on Tuesday night. If you do that, then again, there's some of these questions that people are saying, oh, should he get sacked? Are we going down that path? This doesn't feel like Graham Potter at Chelsea to me. It doesn't feel like that. And in fact, I actually think Pochettino's under a lot more pressure at Chelsea than, say, Ten Hag is at Man United as it stands.
2: Well, I'm off to inevitably have a conversation about that with fans of other clubs. So I'll very much... You love that, Scott, don't you? Oh, I'm so tired of it. It's so boring. Anyway. You're like the
3: sparring partner. They're like there in the ring with you. And it's just like... You can't win punch, either. You just can't right win.
2: Everybody hates United. Everybody loves that United are failing. Yeah, And you can't say something right. You really can't, and that's that's just the way. And
3: you're going to get told. You're going to get told. Let's do the prediction now. You'll get told that the midweek win was just a flash in the pan, didn't mean anything, and you lost it. You lost it on Saturday, and ha 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 ha.
2: Producer Harry has. Uh, I saw him tweet after the Arsenal win at Bournemouth. Yeah, and uh, he said something along the lines of people jumped to conclusions that Man United were back. Nobody said that. Who said that? No one said that. No one said that. But like I did say to you, Scott,
3: privately, and I'm going to say it out here, when Man United become good again one day, and they will one day, it might be 20 years in the future, but it will be one day. We are coming for all of you. (laughs) <laughs> right just remember that bookmark it we are coming for all of you because when we used to win stuff i used to be like a bit demure and go oh it's good we're winning but you know x y and z let's be calm about it now when we start winning stuff again one day <laughs> we're gonna start banging that drum uh and we'll have the fun with it
2: the title of the show is the promised land and i'm sure if you've been supporting united through the 90s you probably know what what significance that holds uh they're a long way away from it. So we'll be waiting a little <laughs> while, Rob, uh, until that happens. But anyway, I want to see been... Scott
3: singing Things Will Only Get Better, banging a drum.
2: <laughs> That's been us today. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube, the Promise Land of Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment and pop the notification bell on as well. Follow us on the social medias at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise Land MU. We'll see you. Shortly after Manchester United versus Galatasaray, let's hope it's not a nil-one home defeat again. Let's hope for something more promising and something to build on that we could talk about. But Rob, thank you very much. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been The Promise, and see you soon.